0: All right, Kevin, you got your your list of 20 ready? You got it ready to go? I Mm I got my Hall of Fame ballot here. You got your list of 20?
1: I got it all, man. I'm ready to go.
0: All right, so here we go. We'll talk about the 10 guys that I voted to go to Cooperstown and the 20 top prospects that you have for the Cardinals. Ready? Deal. Hello everybody and welcome to the best podcast in baseball brought to you by Closet by Design of St. Louis. I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould. Join this week to start the new year with the same friend, same voice that we ended the previous year. Kevin Wheeler, of X. Kevin, thanks for uh, for making this like a uh, kind of a doubleheader. We promised them that we would do this more often, and we just got right to it on our New Year's <laughs> Revolution. Does this mean I'm the double leadoff man? Like I <laughs> I, I, bat, <laughs> I batted ninth and first. Is that how that works? Yeah, that's right. That, that was the uh, the guy was caught out uh, trying to steal when you missed oh, okay. the bunt in the previous inning. All right, uh, and so you come back up again on the. I'm glad you, know, you that, did that because I, I had two strikes. I was in trouble. Yeah, we need you to get that down. We need you to get that <laughs> down. Um, but I want to, you know, today we, we're we going to talk about lists, mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, one list appears on a ballot, the Hall of Fame ballot. Uh, yeah, I posted my Hall of Fame ballot to the Post-Dispatch website and social media uh, today. This is Friday as we're recording it. Uh, I mailed it to Cooperstown last week while I was uh, out of town, and it, uh, it, it has received the inevitable backlash, um, as all ballots do, uh, the paper for the first time in a while had me write an explanation that appeared in the paper. That was an interesting exercise. Mm -hmm. And I want to in some ways turn the conversation over to you to ask about it. Nice. And then I also want to spend some time maybe flipping that script so I can ask you about your list that you're (laughs) releasing this week. Yeah. Uh, Not a hall of fame ballot, but a list of the top 20 Cardinals prospects. And I want to talk to you about it because I think you've put some interesting twists into how you have ranked some familiar names, Mm -hmm. um, particularly uh, when it comes to recent performance. Um, So we're going to have this podcast kind of focus on lists, which is a good way to start the new year, right? Everybody has a list of resolutions. So we're going to have the list of Hall of Famers, and then we're going to have a talk about a list of prospects. And we are pledging to our listeners right now that it's not going to be a four-hour podcast. <laughs> it always has that ability, but yeah, it won't be. <laughs> People dive in, it has that potential. This might be the one. <laughs> this might be the one where they just don't stop talking. <laughs> so uh, how would you like, since since you're the, at the wheel to, you know, you're the Tom Cruise cross-examining me about this Hall of Fame ballot, how do you want to begin?
1: Well, I would say let, let's start with the, the parts that you get hit on the most on Twitter, which is the, the methodology, because you did a great job explaining it. But I think we also have to assume, given the way people work on social media, that people that are listening to the podcast may not <laughs> may not oh, have no. gone in and read the explanation. So if you want to do like a 30 second or a really short, just like, hey, this is this is the basic criteria, then we can run through and I'll tick off some of the names, because I think. There's some, you know, in looking at the ballot you put out there and reading your explanation, I think, uh, and first of all, we, we see a lot of these things very much the same. I, I, I did a, an exercise in this kind of my fake ballot about three or four weeks ago, and, and there, it's very similar to yours. Not exactly, but it's pretty similar. But I think that if, if you think there are two, maybe three important things that, that listeners who may not have read your explanation should know before we dive in on specific players or on, on the ideas that we're going to get into, that probably is a good starter.
0: All right, so let's begin here. Then, to be eligible for the ballot, players have to have played ten years in the majors, and then there is a committee that oversees it and looks at the uh, the careers and say, okay, yes, this is the group that we're going to put on there. There were thirty um, names on the ballot this year, I believe. I'm looking at it here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thirty um, this year. So thirty got on there, and they and they range from you know Tim Hudson, Ryan Howard, to Jonathan Papelbon and Jake Peavy. Andy Pettit has been on there for a little while. Um, Billy Wagner, Mark Teixeira, you know, newcomers, David Ortiz, Alex Rodriguez. And then, of course, you know, you got Mark Burley, Scott Rowland. I won't list them all, but right. you kind of get the scope of it then. Um, those ballots go to members of the BBWA who have had 10 consecutive years, remain in good standings, and the Hall does check with, you know, does has added now an added level in an additional level, I should say to look to make sure that people continue to be around the game and actively covering the game. If they are going to vote, there's going to be about 400 ballots um, submitted for induction. A player must get 75% or Mm -hmm. more of the vote. So that means um, my ballot. If I don't have a check by that name, it takes three of my peers to overcome that and get the player inducted. It's very rigorous. Um, it's very demanding I think is the word I used in the paper and it should be Um, the the added wrinkle to it the one that that I understand why the hall has it I wish it didn't I have proposed that it didn't I have talked to many people about how it would be nice if they didn't is the 10 vote limit right you can only vote for 10 if you think there are 15 people worthy of the hall of fame on the ballot you can only vote for 10 and to me that Changes the question from what it should be, which is, is this player a Hall of Famer? Yes or uh-huh. no? To, is this player this year one of the 10 most worthy on this ballot? That's subtle, but it's significant. Sure, and it, it has changed how people go about their ballot, particularly when I f- sat down with my first one and said, Look, I got more than 10 players, I think, who are worthy. The hall does give tools. Um, or at least does give kind of guidelines. I choose to use those as tools. And maybe that's the one leap that I would, you know, not ever. Everybody else has a different view of it. But I look at the sportsmanship clause and all of that, not as equal parts of a list or equal considerations to give. But those are the tools that I use to help carve my list down to 10. Right.
1: Right. If makes necessary. Sense. Yep. Perfectly. makes perfect sense. And, and you know, the big topic that that every voter has to to, to you know, I guess, draw a line in the sand on is what they're going to do with PEDs. Um, so some people are, you know, absolutely nobody from that era because everybody, in my opinion, too many people cheated. And and I'm going to submit a blank ballot. And yep. I think we all know how much we how well how we feel about the blank ballot, guys. Um, then you've fan. got <laughs> not a fan at all. I agree with you. Uh, then you can say, you can make exceptions based on degree. Right. So a positive test is the line for some people or a suspension, whatever, or an admission like those things are a, a line in the sand. And That seems to be well, not seems to be. That's that's your line in the sand. Not is, entirely, but I understand no? why
0: you'd say that. So, um, I mean, it, not just an admission, but I mean, if there's a preponderance of evidence against the guy, I do take that into account because I right, respect right, right. the reporting that those journalists did. Um, you know, if the line that I kind of draw is if I feel or if I know, not feel, if I know I can write it in the article and attribute it, then I can go with it on a ballot. OK, so could I write an article that says that there is a preponderance of evidence and strong reporting and, you know, what investigations that allege and suggest that Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens use performance-enhancing drugs during their career. Are there some admissions? I mean, you have, you know, the whole the Belko aspect of it, and what right. Bonds said, "Well, he you have like Andy
1: Pettit did. admitted it for his right. example. Andy you know, Pettit
0: and Sheffield did too. Right. Said he unknowingly Sheffield. used. Okay, so you have within that realm, you have what? What could you write in an article? Not what could you suppose privately. Not right, what you right. say on a bar stool right. to friends, but what could you put in an article? And that's sort of where. I draw the line. This ballot is new um, in a way because it brings Ortiz and Alex Rodriguez into the yep. conversation. Manny Ramirez mm-hmm. had already been on the ballot, mm-hmm. um, but Alex Rodriguez and Ortiz really kind of capture. And, you know, again, I tried to explore this in the article that people can find at STLtoday.com. That it brings a testing era in. Right. Uh, you know, Ortiz was linked to an anonymous test. There's been some pushback on that. What is not been pushed back. And what is very clear is he spent the rest of his career under testing parameters Mm -hmm. and was tested regularly. He would argue that he was tested more often than others. Um, And whatever that means, it, it may not be the case. He just might have felt that way or perhaps Major League Baseball did that. I know of several players who would find after a highlight or after a walk off or whatever somebody waiting there for them? And we both know that David Ortiz had a lot of those. Yeah. So you know it it was random except for when it wasn't. Um, but he did play the rest of his career under that.
1: Yep. So did
0: Alex Rodriguez played a lot of his career. Yeah. With testing in place, um, so much so that he was suspended like Manny Ramirez mm-hmm. with clear rules and yep. clear testing and all of that in place and those two were still suspended for violations of the PED policy. Mm-hmm. That was not the case with Ortiz during the same era. It never was. So there it's it's a tricky line, but that's the new one that has entered right, in, the, in right. play.
1: Right, the people that, that that were in there, you know, that that were a part of the testing protocol, like that the majority of their careers existed while testing was still happening uh, and, and maybe even more important than the majority, Derek is the, pr- is the prime of their careers too. Um, you know, the part that would get them into the hall of fame was done during the testing period. And that, that makes uh, an interesting line. Now, when, when we look at overall ballot there, I think there are a couple of interesting kind of categories of players. Yeah. Um, th- this is one of them, right? Th- like the, the PED guys, how do we sort through the differences between bonds and Clemens and Ortiz and A-Rod and Manny Ramirez and, I want to run this by you. I know we've talked about it before, but um, when, when I did my exercise on this, because, you know, I'm, I'm a nerd and I love doing this kind of stuff and I do it just for fun, even though you have to do it as a duty, you know, as a, something that, that is a very respectful duty on your part. I don't know about for an actual I belt. struggle
0: with what word is responsibility. It's an, you know, honor. I mean, it's, yeah. I, well, try I just to do take it, for it seriously. Fun. <laughs> it's a, it's a, maybe it's a privilege. You know what? Maybe that's yeah. what it is. Maybe it's, it's like a, a driver's thing. license. It's not a right. Um, right. It's not an honor. Um, but it's a privilege and, you know, you, you got to keep the car in the lane. Yeah.
1: And and I do it in part because it's good for doing radio shows. You know, I mean, having that having done the background and done the homework yourself helps do these kinds of conversations and it helps mm-hmm. talk about it on the air and do interviews with guys like Jay Jaffe or whomever that we're going to have on to talk you're about just name dropping. Yeah, yeah. Because Jay's the best. <laughs> I love talking to Jay. Um, but, you know, when I when I did my fake ballot and I compare it to yours there's only two names that are different. Mm. Um, and the two that are on there for you that are not on mine are there be- probably because the two that are on mine took those places. So you have Jeff Kent and, and uh, what was the other one that Bobby I don't know? Bobby Abreu. And in those spots, I have Alex Rodriguez and Manny Ramirez. Um, now, my line in the sand on steroids is this. And, it's, and mine's way more blunt of, of a blunt uh, force object than yours mm-hmm. is. Yours is very nuanced. Mine is simple. I think there are already steroid users in the hall of fame. I can well, think I of a half you. dozen and therefore I can't keep anyone off of my list just because of that. If mm-hmm. I know, and, and I could like you, I could never say it on the air because I don't have factual backup for it. I in a, but uh, people that I trust people that I know, people who were in positions to know have told me these things in addition to some of the other suspicions that were out there outside of those stories. I can think of six guys and I won't, again, not going to name them, but six players that I'm pretty convinced if you put, if you put a gun to my head and said, did they use PDs? My answer would be absolutely. And they're already in. And if I know that I can't keep anybody else out.
0: I would never used. put a gun to your head to demand an answer just for the <laughs> record. I just want that said, um, because that became a whole deal on a radio show that I used to be. Oh. Uh, but I, uh, I appreciate what you're saying. Um, I, you know, the, the, the suspected, right. I, I, it comes down to for me is I'm not naive, right? We know how widespread the use was, right? We know there wasn't testing and we know that there was no motivation for players to admit there was a lot of pressure for some to maintain their careers, to get healthy, to whatever. I think right. Mark McGuire gave us a good window into yep. that exactly. during his admission. Um, so I am not naive. Um, to the notion that there are are already players who use steroids or use performance enhancing drugs who are in there, just uh, like there are cheaters and scoundrels and rascals and mm-hmm. you know ill tempered, you know, like just folks you wouldn't want to be around. I should also point out too, though,
1: as part of this, like I also consider amphetamines a performance enhancer, okay. and there are and there there probably are at least a hundred players in the Hall of Fame that used amphetamines.
0: Who? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, but you're right. I mean, look, I, I don't think that you can retcon the the votes, right? That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I mean, I, they, they're in there. And am I, I don't even know if I, maybe I'm not using that word right. But well,
1: you made the right point. I mean, like you, you've said it more simply to me in the past. And it basically it was I'm paraphrasing, but it was something along the lines of just because something somebody did something stupid or got it wrong
0: before doesn't mean we have to keep doing it. That's correct. I am not going to answer for ballots that I was not able to submit. Like someone came to me and they, how can you vote for Todd Helton when Keith Hernandez isn't in? Well, I never got the chance to vote for Keith Hernandez. Right. And I'm not going to say, well, you know what? I shouldn't vote for Todd Helton now because of mistakes that were made 30 years ago, 20 years before I was. Uh, You know, before I was eligible to vote, that's not you. You learn from those past things and you I I don't want to be held accountable to mistakes of the past. Just like I don't want whoever follows me in this job to be held to my mistakes. I hope they improve on. Mm -hmm. I hope I hope they are better. I hope that that's what this leads to. That's the goal is that you leave something better than when you got it. But the next person makes it even better and doesn't have the missteps because they don't have to answer for your mistakes. Right. Exactly.
1: Now, and, and for for the next couple of cycles, and obviously this one here, that that's that's the first story. Right. I mean, it's always going to be about how do people handle that? And therefore, mm-hmm. How do you fill it out? Because, I mean, a lot of guys are falling into this. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. Uh, you mentioned Ortiz, obviously, and, and you, we, we've already explained that. But, I mean, there are a lot of the best players on this ballot, Derek, all fall into this category. <laughs> I mean, they're all yeah. in that era. They're all That's an kind interesting
0: of, one. I mean, yeah. Kurt Schilling is probably the best player on the ballot who doesn't have a known tie to this conversation. Mm-hmm. Is that right? And he's the uh, one who asked of, off of the, the guys guy. from that era. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and he's the one who asked off the ballot. Yeah, Hopefully. and
1: I and like you, I would I, I in my mock ballot I had him on there. I'm not going to worry about what he wants or says or what he talks about or his politics or anything like that. I mean, we're voting
0: on a career. Do uh, you do you think that A Rod and Manny Ramirez, because of their suspensions, are at all different? Yeah, than Clemens and,
1: and sure Bonds and Sheffield. I
0: mean, I mean, from a practical standpoint, because it's like, hey, baseball said these are the rules; don't yeah, break them,
1: right? I mean, from a practical and they're standpoint, like, oh, well, we broke them. Yeah, from a practical standpoint, the rules did not exist for most of Bonds and Clemens' careers, if any of it, right. and they clearly existed for these guys. And that was—it's one of the again, if you're looking, this this is the problem slash issue with all of these ballots now. Is that you have to come up with some kind of criteria of how you're going to sort through all of this, mm. and then once you do that. I think we should – I mean, I'm pretty cool with anybody's opinion on this, Derek. It's just once you do it, just stay consistent is all. Like, I think yeah. that's kind of the point is, like, figure out how you view this and stay consistent with it. And most guys are good at it. There are some, you know – again, the blank ballot guys just kill me on this because I don't think there's consistency there. I think you're you're throwing out players that didn't do anything wrong because other guys did do something wrong, and that's just nonsense. Yeah, uh, and, it bothers me. Yeah, it bothers me too. So I, I think that – those guys are going to be at the core of most arguments, um, and you know, again, th- we understand why that is. You know, and that's the kind of the uh, the big group, right? But we've had these arguments about these particular players even before a Rod came on the ballot. But we've been arguing about this with Bonds and Clemens for ten years. You know, Manny Ramirez, what is it, six or seven years or whatever it, it, it is that, that he's been on there? Uh, we've been arguing that, and I think it's a it's a it's an important argument. But it's new, It's becoming more nuanced with cases like David Ortiz with, mm-hmm. you know, you know, with the, with the report early, but then nothing later the rest of his career. And the report is not it's like it. First of all, it's not it's ne- it never was supposed to be made public. It was never I mean, they, they were promised anonymity in all of this to, to get them to buy into the testing to begin with. Um, so, I mean, to me, that's a major failing on the part of the league that that kind of information ever got out. And I know it wasn't from the league. I know it was from the Balco investigation, and it was an, uh, an FBI agent that actually got those names by raiding. Um, whose offices did they raid? Well, I, I forget. I mean, they, they got the I think it was a lab. They went through and went through a lab, one of the labs involved, and they, they got this list, and that's how basically how it got out. Um, and I shouldn't even say the FBI. It was one particular person. <laughs> who did that it wasn't yeah way. I mean a lot so of that though
0: you also have the grand jury stuff which is supposed to be right so, i mean in, in, right. as as far as like the levels of what's supposed to be kept secret and right. how much we should celebrate the journalists that uh, didn't allow that to happen right. um the leaking of an anonymous test from MLb um is way different than, right <laughs> than a grand jury testimony correct
1: yeah big difference and yeah. the other thing about those early preliminary tests is we don't we don't get a result we don't know what it was. You know, there are a lot of things that were, that were on the band list and there are some things that are much more serious than others, right? There yeah. are some things that are flat out, straight up anabolic steroids. And there are other things as we've seen with many players that um, can, can set off positive tests that are not that it's right. not, you know, it's not st- stenozolol, you know, it's not necessarily those, the old school big time steroids, if you know what I mean? It, I can mean there, there, there are regular health treatments that somebody could be going through that could set off a positive test. So, that's another part of that mystery there. Then after that group, though, Derek, I think it's you've got some really interesting categories because once you get through that, that helps you decide. You know, okay. So in your case, Manny Ramirez and A Rod are not on the ballot. Um, so you looked at some other players there, and I think these these other players are the fun ones. Like uh, you, you know, Abreu and Kent were the two where you have them on, and I didn't. But the reason I didn't is because I had Ramirez and Rodriguez. If I didn't have those two, if I followed your guidelines, my next two were probably going to be Jeff Kent. And then either Bobby Abreu or Billy Wagner, um, and I and I look at all these other players like Todd Helton, um, like Scott Rowland, as an example. And to me, those two guys—I don't know about how you feel about it, Derek—but I think those two guys should be a lot easier than they've than it than it's been. I mean, especially Rowland. I mean, yeah, Rowland. Scott Rowland is one of the eight or nine best third basemen ever to play by basically any measure you can put together. Correct. You know, but but especially when you combine offense and defense, when you combine those two things. There are there are no more than six or seven players in the history of this sport that have been better at third base than Scott Rowland. I don't understand why that's a complicated story to, to
0: tell. So quick aside, because I want to make it clear, because the way you kind of described my ballot was like building towards 10. And I want to make it clear that, no, for me, it's shrinking to 10. Yeah, I'm I'm with you 100%. So it's not yeah. like that I look at it and go, oh, well, A-Rod and Manny Ramirez are out, move on. It's, okay, A-Rod and Manny Ramirez, I'd like to consider how many, you know, do I have two spots for them? Because right. if I'm right. going to vote for one, do I need to be consistent and vote for the other? Mm-hmm. Or do I say, well, no, one's career was so far superior, or do I have an alternative to reach 10? And how do I look at that? I mean, at Bonds and Clemens and Sheffield, I didn't vote for that group, you know, until I had room for that group. Right, You right. know, And at one point in time, it did come down to, all right, I got these two closers and I got these users. What do I do with that? Mm -hmm. And I have two spots on my ballot. Well, Mm -hmm. I went with Hoffman and Smith. And so I I just want to make that clear that it's not building a ballot. It's, 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 it's reducing the size to 10. And that was maybe where I went awry a year ago and tried to correct it here this year. Um, I agree with you and I can go on um, a third base rant if you would like me to. (laughs) Um, So third base is the most underrepresented position in the hall of fame. And I think that is, Partly um, a view into how baseball has underappreciated a position that is demanding defensively and demanding offensively. Yes, um, it is a it. you look at it, that position and it asks a lot of the person defensively arm strength reaction, um, you know, proximity. Uh, to guys who hit the ball really hard. We talk about yeah, Gary yeah. Sheffield. Imagine playing third base and playing third base well with a guy like that um, at the plate. With a runner um, yeah. on third base and less than two outs in the ninth inning of a tie exactly. game when you have to play in. Handling the bunt. There, That position is demanding defensively. And to play it well is to be the best defensive player on the field in many cases. If you are talking about an elite third baseman who plays that position well and the Cardinals have one right now. Yep. It is likely he is also the best defensive player at least in fair territory. And to add then the component that it's also a corner position which it traditionally has been a power position where people go well we can stash a bat there and get production from it. It's it's a lot is asked of that position. And a lot has been traditionally asked of that position. And you think here, just in in history, how many players have moved to that position for the Cardinals to keep their bat in the lineup or to get another bat in the lineup, Mm -hmm. and -hmm. they just asked to play third base. To do that position well and to be great in all facets of it, you go from being talked about as, oh, well, that's a really good third baseman, to really being in the conversation for being one of the great all-round baseball players, mm-hmm. and and I I wish that third base was seen in that view or seen in that way more often. That like the Adrian is of the world, are, he's about to come onto the Hall of Fame ballot, right? You know, is I mean, look, if he's not Mariano Rivera, hundred percent, yeah, he, he should be in the Jeter category. On? Yeah, he's in you the know, Jeter I mean, category. Like, I mean, it's no he, question. Yeah, he is. He, and he's not just, again, one of the best third basemen of all time. He, because he played that position so well and produced so much, he's one of the best all around players of all yep. time. Yep. You know, and I, you Nolan know, Arenado, I've argued this for a long time. For, for a good part of his career so far, he's the best all around player in the National League um, because of the demands of the position and he hits in the middle order. And I just, I, I, I have a strong opinion, obviously, about third base. Mm-hmm. I have a great affection for that position um, and the people who play it well. And Sky Rowland played it as well as anybody I've ever seen.
1: Yep. I, I agree with all of that. And, you know, it's it's part of because the, then I think the, it, your, the, the, most underrepresented is the number of players that are in there at that position, right? Like right. it's mathematically the most underrepresented. Uh, the other one, and, and that I throw yeah, in there, obviously is, raw is, number is, of players. Is, yeah, yeah, and in my case, it's, you know, the other one that's right next to it is catchers. Like you know, yeah. And again, in that case, I think percentage-wise,
0: about- it's starting pitchers, right? Percentage-wise, oh, yeah, As far I mean- as like the number of people who have had the job and the right. number of people who are elected, it's starting
1: pitchers, right? But, I mean, like, the the importance of what you're talking about. Like, I think, I think those are things that people miss, right? right? I mean, like, they miss how important having that. Actually, it's one of the reasons why shortstops are, are more important than other positions because they have a lot more jobs. They have a lot more responsibilities. They can get um, away with being defensive, though, and not providing power. Right, they, right. and that's But that's less true now, so it'll be interesting to see where we are in 15, 20 years. Is it? We're, well, now it's a lot more about, I, you know, we'll, we'll go with a glove here. If we have a bat there, you know, if we have a big second, sure, baseman sure, sure. we don't yep. need to worry about the big third baseman. Right. I mean, it's Correct. a little more flexible now than it, it yeah, was yeah, yeah. You're earlier exactly generations. Right. Well
0: put, well put,
1: but, but I mean, I, I have the, I hold the same complaint about catchers. I mean, for God's sake, it's the one position that has something to do with every pitch thrown when their team is in the field. And right. not only do they have to do that, but they have to do that every day. They have to do yeah. that for every pitcher on the staff <laughs> every single day. And then it, on top of that, it requires squatting and then standing right. up and then squatting and then standing up. It's basically a nonstop workout. And then you got to hit too.
0: <laughs> right. and, it, right.
1: and then we, you know, so and then the standards become only the guys that were good at hitting are the ones that get in. And obviously, you know, it's 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 not as bad as it used to be. And I think Molina's gonna be a guy that changes that a little bit. Um, but I, I mean I I think that there are things in this sport that it's hard to believe this sport's been around this long, and you listen to the players, you listen to managers and coaches and what they talk about and how important things are, and yet it doesn't feel like any of those things have been considered for the last 80 years when we talk about the Hall of Fame.
0: That's an interesting. What is there a great – I'm thinking here as you talk. Is there a great defensive catcher who has been overlooked by the Hall oh, of Fame?
1: Yeah. I mean, um Jim Sundberg comes to mind. Okay. Uh, I mean, guy that won a bunch of gold gloves. But again – you know, not not a good hitter by right. any stretch. I mean, you know, a lesser hitter than say Molina, right? But but a, a similar. It's I mean, it's not that far off. But um, Bob Boone would be one. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I think Bob Boone is Long, a
0: tremendous longevity.
1: Yeah, and again, at that particular position where he had value every day, uh, but again, not a good hitter. He was more of the yeah. uh, Omar Vizquel type hitter. Uh, when it comes to like OPS plus, you know he was. Bob well Boone has a average. great
0: reputation for managing games. Yeah, um, as a I mean, the guy won four gold gloves between the age of thirty eight and forty one. Well, I was just gonna say, and he's the <laughs> one that Molina is gonna be compared to when it comes to the age and durability yes. question. And you then know, he'll win Bill out on Freehan's the offensive up there. comparison.
1: Bill Freehand oh. should be in the Hall of Fame. Bill Freehan uh, was was a great says defensive the, player. Says the
0: Detroit guy, right? Yeah.
1: Well, I'll give you two of them. Bill Freehand and Lance Parrish should both be in the Hall of Fame. Bill Freehand, uh, when you look at his his defensive performance and the number of gold gloves and all of that, Five, yeah, and then throw in the fact that he was a middle of the order hitter, he was a four or five hole hitter. I mean, he you was, know, yeah. I mean, like, and I, I know he didn't have as many games played as others. Uh, so again, I, I understand the arguments against this guy, Derek. This guy played 15 years in the major leagues. I think he made the All Star team 11 or 12 times.
0: 11 times. Yeah, as, I uh, mean, All Star. Yeah. How are you an
1: 11 time All Star but not a Hall of Famer?
0: Well, I mean, I cause
1: mean, they're not all a fan vote there, right? This is the 1960s and seventies, right? We're not talking about, you know, people stuffing an online ballot.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his, his, uh, you know, he was the starting catcher for seven consecutive years at the all-star game. Right? Yeah. 66, 67, yeah. 68, 69, 70 71 72. That's, I, and remarkable. I've made, I've
1: made the argument for, for Lance Parrish before. I mean, he, he's got the same kinds of offensive numbers that Gary Carter does. Gary Carter played. Wow. Gary Carter played longer, um, and it was healthier at the end of his career. Yeah. So he he has better counting numbers, uh, but the rates are not that far off, and Lance Parrish was by far the better defender.
0: So It wasn't wasn't really close. So Bill Freehand, just to give people a perspective, because this feeds into the 10-ballot limit, okay? Right. Or the 10-vote limit on the ballot. Bill Freehand was one and done on the on the bbwa vote he received yep. less than one percent of the vote. so he received two votes and I, people are like come on how could he receive only two votes let me read you the names of the people who were on that ballot ready <laughs> hank aaron frank oh, robinson man. juan marichal Harmon killebrew hoyt wilhelm don drysdale gil hodges louis aparicio jim bunning Red Shandings, Nellie Fox, Richie Ashburn, Billy Williams, Tony Olivo, Orlando Cepeda. Wow. I mean, they're all in the Hall of Fame. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I I'll tell you, it it is uh
0: it's it, it's there part are of the- sixteen people who are on this who received votes that year. Yeah. If I'm reading this right. Yeah, no, you're, 1982 you're, Hall of Fame. There are 16 players, 16. So six more than the maximum you can vote for, who are in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And Bill Freehand was one and done. Well, no wonder he was one and done. I mean, Veda Pinson got 1.4 percent of the vote here. Goodness gracious.
1: Yeah. It's well, crazy. But I think, I, I, I think that's Hall a good of point. Of and that, well, of course, that's that—that's the historical backup for your point about limiting it to ten and. My, my, my Thurman question.
0: Munson was also on this ballot. And he,
1: by the way, there's another one. Thurman Munson should be in the Hall of Fame.
0: Thurman Munson was also on this ballot. He got 6.3% of the vote. There's oh. another one. That's one I didn't think of. Thurman Munson should be a Hall of Famer. Just to defend myself here, would you like to know who has the highest wins above replacement on this ballot who is not in the Hall of Fame? Who's that? Veda Pinson. Nice. Yeah. He was a great player, man. He's a great player. Yep. And then, and if, he had, and, if he had, and if
1: he had been a Yankee, he'd be in the Hall of Fame.
0: And Freehan and Shaney's have the same war. Yep. Hmm.
1: And I, I mean, again, I, I, I go through these things because I'm, you know, I'm a, a nerd With about a different offense, catching.
0: though. But yeah, I mean, I understand, like you know, yeah, career years, but way different.
1: Yeah, though. I mean, you know, and you know, I'm a nerd about this kind of the catching stuff, but I mean. Uh, You know, Thurman Munson was a well above average, again, middle of the order hitter, great gold glove catcher, leader, the whole deal. Um, If I give you these two, and and I already mentioned the name. did have more
0: walks than than Shaney's.
1: Yeah. If I compare like to like, because I mentioned Gary Carter and Lance Parrish, they both basically played the same span of their careers. Uh, Carter came in a few years earlier and I think played a year longer. But they're basically they basically played through um, the mid to late 70s all the way up into the early 90s, the two of them. Uh, One of them had a 773 OPS, 324 home runs, 1,200 runs batted in, and did that in 2,296 games. Hmm. And the other one had a 753 OPS, 324 home runs, 1,000 RBIs, and did that in 1,988 games. So in, in, in 300 fewer games. And had basically the same offensive numbers. They both won three gold gloves um you know they both made a bunch of all-star teams why is one automatic you know uh and the other one not even not even a conversation it's interesting yeah you know i mean uh, like you know i and I, and i understand it i'm not saying that it's that's a perfect
0: comp gary carter was the better player just saying that it's not that big of a difference no you're right and comparisons mean a lot to me in the ballot and i, I, try, I try to make that point i've talked about it a lot um just because we're halfway through the conversation. I'll I'll read my ballot here so people know it. We're not, you know, we're not teasing it out. It's Abreu, Bonds, Clemens, Helton, Jones, Andrew, Kent, Ortiz, Roland, Schilling, Sheffield. So ten. I use ten. Um, my mistake. I I voted for eight last year. All eight carried over. Ortiz is new. A Rod is new. Manny Ramirez is is returning. Um, my mistake was not voting for Kent a year ago. It yeah, really that's a good like one. came to to I spent a lot of time thinking about that. And I I and it was like where is that line? This is th- this to me has was kind of a revelation of the last few years is it's not my, when I for my ballot I have to find the line not for who I'm going to vote for, but what is that distinction that separates voting for Schilling from voting for you know burley and voting for pettit what is the distinction that separates voting for todd helton from voting for ryan howard mm-hmm. um and how do and where is that line because to find that line you have to find the person above it and the person right below it yeah yeah it's a good way to look and, at and and that that can be squeamish to go well this is the player who is on the doorstep of cooperstown uh Stinks to be that guy, but someone has to be that guy, um, you know. And for me, comparisons because you were talking about comparisons. Comparisons a big part of that. Like, how do I vote consistently? Um, years ago, when I when I started on this, you know, I just could not shake the fact that Mussina, Schilling, and Smoltz were so similar to me every which way I turned. Um, Smoltz had the added turn, obviously, as a reliever. Um, so there were nuances to how they were different. You know Cy Young awards, not right. Cy Young awards, that right. kind of stuff. Um, Twenty game winners, not Tony. You know, but but when I looked at the sum total of their careers and and really kind of dug into like, okay, here are the counting numbers, here are the rates, here's where they were, here's what they did in the postseason, all that stuff, it was like, gosh, these three guys are really similar, and yet it's like the chariot awaited Smoltz to carry him to Cooperstown.
1: Yeah. Messina
0: got there eventually, in part because of a lot of conversation. They're like, hey, this guy was really good. Let's get over some of the counting numbers. Um, And Schilling still isn't there for many reasons, for numerous reasons. But for me, it was like, if I'm going to vote for Smoltz, I really should vote for these other guys, too. Yeah, because they're so comparable. And so I I find myself in that in that conversation quite a bit. And it was like, you know, Gary Sheffield, to me, is a Hall of Fame hitter. Right. Just a man. ferocious just ferocious. Hitter. Right. And it was like looking at his career that was like, well, goodness, man, Bobby Abreu and the sum of his years really pretty good. And there is a comparison there. You you see their names ending up near each other quite a bit or other Hall of Famers. If you, you know, as you search around and it's and it's not one that stands out because, you know, Bobby Abreu's big moment was at a home run derby. Right. You're sure. And, but otherwise it wasn't like he was in the mvp conversation a lot it wasn't like he was considered you know the best player on his team all that much though there's probably a good argument that he was for a while all that stuff is you know it it, it just was an interesting thing because A lot of the conversation for me, because a lot of conversations, how do you carve these careers up? And do you look at their peak years or do you look at their when you suppose they started taking steroids versus what they did before that, that kind of stuff? And a Braves on the other side, you almost have to flip the spyglass around, right? And just look at it in its entirety and how he compares over and over again to guys at his position, you know, um, his mix of things that he did, steals, walks, all that stuff. Um, And so it was comparisons that kind of led me to that. That also brought me to Jeff Kent because you look at, okay, what does a DH do? He does, you know, tremendous work offensively. What does an offensive win above replacement look like for Ortiz? Oh, well, look, there's Jeff Kent ahead of him. Jeff Kent was a remarkable hitter for a position or a remarkable power hitter for a position where that usually isn't the case. But I think Joe Gordon's a hall of famer and he was overlooked for too long and finally got in um as a second baseman, you know, how does he compare to um Jeff Kent? On the other side of that was looking at Billy Wagner. You mentioned Billy Wagner. Yeah, I'm a big so Billy wanted, Wagner advocate. How do you separate or do you separate Billy Wagner from Joe Nathan? Well, that
1: I mean it, it depends on on perspective I guess, but um to me the difference was which was the more dominant guy. Because I, I think we know well, that. How do you
0: judge that? Strikeout uh, right? rate?
1: Swings and misses. You know, I mean, the, the, the how much do people slug against you versus other people? And you're going to get good numbers on those w- with either one of these guys. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not going to be a problem for Joe Nathan. Um, and I'm not looking. I mean, I know you have to look at saves to a degree. To me, it's, it's like looking at wins, Derek, in that by itself, it doesn't matter. It just tells you what their role was. Right. right, right, so yeah. this means that on Billy you know Billy Wagner having four hundred twenty two saves means he was the guy used at the end of games because the other because because uh, in his era, that was where you put your best reliever
0: right
1: <laughs> it's it's different now, but it's what you know, in that time, your best reliever was the last guy that pitched. um but to me, it comes down to dominance. base runners allowed strikeouts per nine, um you know things along those lines, and those they're they're good for both of those guys. I mean they it's, are, it's yeah. not like Joe Nathan was was bad at those things, but he wasn't nearly as dominant as Billy Wagner. Oh, he just so wasn't. Yeah. I mean Joe Nathan nope. has
0: a nine point five strikeouts per nine. Billy, Billy is Wagner about twelve has the right? best ever. Yeah, he's eleven yeah. nine, right?
1: Well, and it doesn't um, sound like a lot, but that's a lot. No, right? that's like, a lot. Like that's, that's almost three strikeouts per nine, and I mean that's a huge percentage. I mean, it's almost a third more. It's probably Can I like, ask
0: you a question, like what's and the by way base people- runners
1: too. Like a right. one a one one two whip compared to a zero nine nine eight, uh, fielding independent three thirty to two seventy three. Those are big differences.
0: Sure, sure. But can I ask you a question? Like when we're talking mm-hmm. about strikeout rate, what's the yeah. difference between a strikeout and a groundout? Uh, there's nothing
1: that can go wrong on the strikeout.
0: Well, there's less the ball, that can the go ball wrong.
1: in the ball in play. Something can happen. Okay, so got bad it. hop. Shortstop can so- kick it. First baseman can miss it. Umpire
0: can miss the call. If a guy strikes out, it's over, the at-bats done. So a guy with a slider that gets swings and misses, even though it might not be considered you know, the best slider in the game mm-hmm. versus the guy who has the best sinker in the game, mm-hmm. you would say the guy with the slider because he gets more strikeouts might be a Hall of Famer.
1: I guess the, the way to differentiate to me, and I'll use a basketball analogy because it's, sure. it's, a, it's a pretty easy one. This is to me like arguing Michael Jordan versus Wilt Chamberlain. Will well, Chamberlain dominated it's Billy Wagner versus Joe Nathan. No, no, I understand. But the idea is one guy has the ability to score, defend, pass, bring the ball up. The other guy's a big guy who needs other people to do, to help him. Got it. Okay. And, and that's, the, that's where I'm going with it. Like if you're a sinker baller, it's not that you, it's nothing wrong with you. Like the, the, you're, you're, you're awesome, but it's not the same as taking care of the job yourself.
0: You know what? One of the things that I kept, trying to that have really thought a lot about over there a lot of things with, with this ballot but one of those is exactly what you just hit on is do you as you consider who's a hall of famer consider who maximized the role that they had on the team that needed that role filled um you know omar Vizquel has off-field issues for sure yeah, um, yeah, yeah and there's been a vast amount of reporting on that um and it, Turns your stomach, and it, it really is bothersome. What is alleged there? Um, I have not voted for him, and and that's not the reason. I have not voted for him since okay. he's been on the ballot. In part, no, in in because of the entirety of the fact that he benefited from being on teams that had better hitters around him, so they could carry his glove. I'm not so sure that he was the best fielder at his position of his generation. He just got longer to collect stats because there were what four or five Hall of Famers in the same lineup around him, mm-hmm. and they could carry that. I think he was flashy. He has the gold gloves, but he he doesn't come close to the number of assists or putouts or times leading the league or times setting records or turning double plays or any of that stuff as Ozzy Smith. Right, I mean it, just, it just right. falls radically short. Right of that. Um, even though he has the gold gloves and everything. Well, some of that is because he played, you know, on a flyball staff, right? So fewer opportunities. So do you have to look at the fact like, okay, this team needed this guy to close, but didn't have as many opportunities for saves. So how did he maximize that role? Right. This guy has a sinker and doesn't have a swing and miss pitch. Do you say, well, golly, man, he was the master of that? He made the most he maximized what he does in the role his team put him in with the tools he had to a hall of fame level. Is well, that a way to go about it
1: i I guess it could be a way to, at the end of the cycle to break ties or yeah. or to you know just, you know kind of but the 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 bottom line for all of these guys offense defense pitching whatever is result. What's yeah. the end result and you know you can only control certain things, right? As, a, as yeah. a hitter, you can only control what you do from the time you start to the swing until you make contact. And after that point, you have zero control over right. the wind, over the elevation, over the quality of the defenders, then the other side. You yeah. can only control that point from the start of your swing till contact. That's it. And, you know, for a, for a pitcher, you can only control where you throw the ball based on where you're being asked to throw the ball. And obviously you can... You can improve your stuff, right? I mean, you can control that to a degree, but everybody has kind of a, a natural cap to where they can go. If 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 that wasn't true, then every single pitcher would throw hundred five. I mean, there's right. it's very clear that there's a, that every player has a physical cap, or how fast you are, how strong you are. We don't know what that is, and maybe you can you can you know, a lot of players push that up or down based on how they take care of themselves. But really, the only thing that we can measure is result, because I can right. promise you that even though the team. And I think you're right about Vizquel. By the way, I mean, he, if he had been on a team uh, that that didn't have the lineup that those Indians teams had, he he may not have been there that long, and may not have been an everyday player that long.
0: Well, uh, then look where he went next. Right, you know, right. Yeah. to the Mariners. I mean, right, right. Another I team. I mean, with Ray all Ordonez should have been so lucky. Right. You know? and
1: yeah. Exactly. And and Cesar I think that,
0: is Torres was a really good fielder too, and he was a Cardinal for a while. Yeah, but you know,
1: but it doesn't I change think. the fact that that he was trying to hit and wasn't good enough at it, right? Like, oh, no, nobody was like, you know what, Omar, you don't have to take batting practice. You don't have to worry. Just, just show up and catch ground balls. I mean, like, no, you know, know, part of the job was still hitting and he wasn't very good at that. So again, um, you're, I think you make a good point. I think we do have to consider some of those things. And I think we're going to have to consider that, Derek, a lot more for relievers about 10 years from now. Exactly. <laughs> 15 no. years from now, like, <laughs> no, you're we're right. not going to have saves. A lot of these guys are going to be, you know, multiple inning guys. They're going to get, um, you know, used in the seventh and eighth inning, kind of like Hader was until Hader, by the way, had the leverage to say, no, I don't want to do that anymore, um, right. which is where he is now. And, and you know, I think that, you know, the, just the way that pens are used are is, is different now, and we're going to have to kind of reevaluate that. So I think you make a good point that we have to consider usage in that.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew Miller. Yeah. Like what? For years, what?
1: could have easily been a guy that racked up thirty-five, forty saves.
0: Right. Yeah. How many times do you think uh, Joe Nathan and Billy Wagner combined led the league in saves? Combined?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd, probably not very many. I, I would, I would guess uh, combined maybe three. Zero. Zero.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because saves are a bad number, though.
0: No, I know. I'm not. I'm not yeah. defending them. I'm just yeah. like you know. It's just. It's really like you know. Yeah, you go, you go. Okay, Wagner, Hall of Famer. Okay, do you draw the line between him and Nathan? So that that's my point. Like it's Wagner no. in no. Nathan at the doorstep. Okay, or do you go? Well, huh, Nathan's really close. He's really snug there. More innings, remarkable seasons for a losing team. Um, you know, I, I, what at one point in time he had fifty percent of the decision or saves or wins yeah. for a Twins team. I mean, his. His conversion rates, the the goose egg numbers, his W his win probability added, all very impressive when you look at Wagner or versus Wagner, right? Okay. Well, maybe he's in Cooperstown and then Papelbon is at the doorstep. Is that where you go? Because you go from Nathan to Papelbon pretty quick, but you can go, well, two hundred fewer innings, so that's way different, right? Yeah. Um, um- but what he and did I would with say those yeah, two hundred fewer innings with WAR, yep, boy, it's a lot closer than you want it to be. Yep, you know, I don't know. It's
1: pretty nuanced, and it and it gets it's pretty it's difficult with relievers because uh, inherently you're dealing with small sample sizes. Yeah, I mean, Do you you just are. I mean, you know, you're dealing with guys that in a normal year throw about you know twenty five to thirty percent of the innings that a that a starter does.
0: Yeah. Do you think this is uh, this ballot the end? Schilling, Clemens, Bonds drop off. Uh, do you think next year it's it's sunshine, rainbows, and and no. unicorns for no. voters?
1: I mean, I wish it would be, but it won't be. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll you know because we're gonna have to do this you know this, this thing about every guy that I don't know what what's the date that what's the year that we stop lumping everybody together. Because that's one of the issues that I have with the process as a whole. Not you. You do this better than than a lot of people do. Uh, and I I notice a lot of. There, I mean, there there are a lot of thoughtful guys out there. So this I shouldn't even yeah. say it anyway. There are just too many of the people that are thoughtless about it. That you know, well, it's that whole era, and I'm just, I'm not voting for anybody because they're all guilty. Um, and I, I when do we when when are we past that? I mean, when when do we when do we when do we decide
0: that the, there's a cutoff date there? Well, I would imagine for them it'd be o four o five. I can't speak for them, but if you want to look for a logical line, it would mm-hmm. be o four o five.
1: So the players that retired essentially five six years ago.
0: Oh boy, no more recently than that. I mean, because some of those guys, well, I mean, two of them are still playing, right? Right, right, right. Pujols and Molina, right. Uh so it would be that class. Okay. Right. so you're essentially saying, um pooh okay, right when yeah. when his and I mean some of his peers are already on the ballot, right, but, but when you right, guys, the guys that are around there, yeah, yeah, before him, or mm-hmm. probably even maybe when you say to make it more local, I guess, say the guys who appeared in the majors and had their bulk of their careers um after Molina, okay, debuted that's, that's a good that yeah. would be that line, okay, that makes you sense. Know, Again, exactly. some of his peers have retired and, you know, we'll be popping up on the ballot here shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, but, you know, I think that's a probably a pretty good that that would make a logical I'm not sure that that's what voters will do, um, but maybe that's when it I yeah. could I could see that's a good I could, spot. Um, I mean, like, you years, And you never got caught. Well, then you're, you're OK. I could see in the coming years a lot of the folks like me who maxed the ten. Um, seeing a reduction in in the number of votes. And yeah, it yeah. it, yeah. it kind of slims to a small. There's definitely a backlog
1: right now because of all yeah. of this. I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I if I wanted to really make cases, I could put 15, 16 guys on a ballot. Yeah, you, could. you know, I mean, I I don't I don't think that would be too difficult because there's arguments for both Nathan and Wagner that we just talked about. They, I I I didn't fit Wagner on my 10. He was my last. He was my last no. Um, he was the line. He was the one that was the first one out, and then after that it was Jeff Kent. Um, yeah. So it was the two of those guys, and then then after that it was Abreu, Jimmy Rollins. Um, I, I give Jimmy Andy Rollins pre-
0: is interesting. He
1: is because you know, like, look, if you compare him to Bobby Abreu as an example, I did. um, they're not that different, and one of them was a shortstop. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not saying that there's a right or wrong. I'm just saying that you know, one thing that Abreu had was about 150 more games played. Um, so, you know, when you look at, um, the combination, like, where are you when you look at the defense, for example, I mean, Jimmy Rollins, uh, defensively was a positive, right? He had like 16 war defensively in his career and 43.7 offensively. So he's basically a 60 win player. Well, that's what Bobby Abreu is offensively, but he was a negative on the defensive side. And now he has way better offensive numbers than Jimmy Rollins. I mean, you know, the, the the OPS plus
0: defense though, is we, we, we start, we talked about this off air, I guess is what we're supposed to say, man. Defense is, is hard to just kind of,
1: but Use we all agree that shortstop is a lot more weight. valuable than right. Absolutely. field. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. But we also can agree that like defensive metrics for right field might be a yeah, little not harder good. to yeah. measure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're, yeah they're, they're, the metrics are, hard, are definitely difficult. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a far smaller sample size yes. than a shortstop. That's yes. part of it. And by the way, I, I do range. That's part of it.
1: I don't necessarily think Jimmy Rollins is a hall of famer. Um, I mean,
0: no, I just think it's an interesting conversation. I think that, that,
1: yes, exactly. I think it's an interesting comp. Um, because if you, again, if you look at wins above replacement, they're not that different, you know, similarly length, similar length careers, but clearly Abreu was the better hitter. I mean, he was 28% above average and Jimmy Rollins was a little below average. He was an OPS plus of 95. They both stole 400 plus bases. Um, so you had that, but, and, and obviously Abreu was much better at getting on base, drew a lot more walks. Um, so again, offensively, there's no question, but again, this gets back to the Roland conversation. When you yeah. combine the two, somebody that's really good at both has tremendous value.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And maybe even that's more than you can measure with war because it allows the team to do so many other things when you have a, a a legitimate two-way player at critical positions like catcher, third base, shortstop, center field.
0: Well, and that goes back to how does the player maximize his skills within the role that the team needs? add a position and make yeah. it just more, make it less about how do they look against the other people on the ballot, um, and more about how do they look with their peers at their position. It's an interesting way to go about it, and yes. it's an off, off. It's also a welcome segue to go from that to your list. Oh yeah, of prospects, um, the top twenty prospects. Because I think there there's a real interesting element of how you ranked um, them that you know you just kind of touched on there um, yeah. when when I take into when I when I look at ranking prospects um, you know I kind of have simplified it to like okay I want I want to look at like the three P's right what is the potential what is the ceiling mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and part of that is also the players age and the level they're at right correct correct what is their what is their highest potential what is their potential what could they be as they advance the other one is proximity I I think it's yep. too much overlooked um, how close they are to the majors. If if someone is on the doorstep or in the majors, mm-hmm. that to me gives them a nudge, and they should be ranked that much higher. But the other one is is, is that I look at the other P is the one that you just uh, kind of touched on there is position. Yeah. If a guy can stick yeah. at shortstop, maybe he should rank a little higher than the guy who is drifting toward the outfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I you. Or like catcher. You know, the yeah. guy can stick at short or at catcher. Maybe you give a little on the offense because he should be ranked higher because that guy's right. going right. to influence.
1: I'm with you, and I and I I, I do want to be clear too because I love the work that that Baseball Prospectus does, that Keith Law does for the Athletic, that uh, MLB.com does. Uh, I I love all the work of the pro- and Baseball America. I mean, I love the work that they all do, and it's not my my version of it is not a criticism of what they do. Um, in fact, to be honest with you, as much as I read all of them, they, they help w- what I do because what I'm doing, when I'm ranking for the Cardinals top 20 prospects, and I've done 11 through 20 already, I've done six through 10. And then, t- uh, today, which is, uh, what is today? The seventh Friday, the seventh. So there, the, those will be posted a little bit later on today, one through five. Um, but what I do is a little bit of both. Uh, I, I, I like potential. I like upside but I have the sliding scale that desc- that you're describing it. The mm-hmm. closer you are to the big leagues, the more that potential means to me. So if you're a 20 year old at double A, that means something to me, especially if you're holding your own. If you're, if you're a 20 year old at high, at low a putting up big numbers, I think that's great. And it, you know, we also have to look at physical talent and physical ability as a part of this. But again, as, as a player goes up, there's a sc- that that scale slides one way or the other, the older mm. you get, the more we need to see production and not just hear about talent. And the younger you are, the more you get credit for what that ceiling could be. But I push back a little bit against the industry trend, which is the less we know about a player, the higher we rank them. I mean, so you can you
0: see this the every dream year. on rankings. The yes. dream on rankings. Yeah, because it's it's counterintuitive, right? Like you have this sport that is based when you get to the majors on how much people fail. And how little you do it, right? You know the old three out of ten is a Hall of Famer right. thing, right? And yet you have prospect rankings and prospect discussions based on these guys who haven't failed yet. It's the backup quarterback syndrome.
1: Yeah. So it. as an example, um, and again, I it's not a criticism of anybody because I I really think that uh, I I, in, I have all of these guys on my shows. I love all of the prospects, guys. But at MLB.com right now, the number nine prospect in baseball is Marcelo Mayer. Mm. He he is not. I mean, he, he was obviously, you know, high draft pick this past season. He was the fourth pick in the draft by Boston. Yeah. He has 26 games in rookie ball under his belt, and he is the ninth best prospect in the sport. I mean, a year ago, he was playing high school baseball, and there are guys that are further along. And then, and again, it's, it's, this, it's this recency thing. And, I, and again, I'm not necessarily wrong, but I'm looking at it now. Like three of the top 13 prospects are all guys that were just drafted. Now, that can be okay. Right. Because when Steven Strasberg was drafted, you can probably put him number one. Right. You know, like, I mean, there are guys that are like that, but I don't, I don't, guys that are 18, 19 years old, I think that's, I'm not, and I'm not even saying it's wrong because in five years, they might be the best players. And that's what those rankings are. That's what, you know, MLB.com and Baseball America and Baseball Prospectus and Keith Law, that's what those are. This, their rankings are. Who has the in, in five years? Who are going to be the most talented players? In ten years, who are going to be the all stars in this group? And right. mine is not better than theirs. My philosophy is when I'm doing this is just a painting a different picture. It, yeah. It's 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 about it's more about where everybody is today. It's a huh. simpler okay. it's a simpler thing for me because projection is the most complicated thing in sports. It's why first round picks fail as much as they do in baseball. Mm-hmm. And all I know is what I know. I don't know what things are going to happen in the next three or four years. So, I, I'm, again, not, this is in no way saying anybody else should change what they do. It's not a criticism at all of what those people do. And they're better at, and, and maybe some of this, Derek, is because I'm a little more limited than they are. You know, the, the, they have people like you all over the country that they've been working with for, for 10, 15, 20 years, right? I mean, how long did you help with Baseball America and, and work with them on that? I mean, oh,
0: my gosh. More than a decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: like, they have they have way more time and access. Plus, it, you know, those guys, Jim Callis and Keith Lots, all they do. You know, this is a side thing for me. It's a hobby. So I don't have the same ability that they do, which is why I think their lists are better. They have more info. But mine is more about snapshot right now. Coming into 2022, where mm-hmm. are we? That's what my top 20 is for the Cardinals.
0: One of the things that uh, Jeff that Jeff Luno said that kind of stayed with me um, in talking about prospects when I was working on the um, prospect ranking back when I would write them, um, yeah. still try to contribute to them. But when I would write the the rankings for baseball America uh, and the Cardinals organization, well, you know, and they, he was talking about Colby Rasmus and, you know, he mentioned the fact that like one of the things that they want to see from these top prospects is they don't know how they respond to failure. Right. Um, right especially right. young guys who have dominated like a high school or travel right, level. Right. Um, right. they're like, how did you respond to failure? And that it was an interesting question, um, that stuck with me, uh, not necessarily because of the way he meant it, um, as far as a development thing or to see how a guy responded like, you know, mentally or how his constitution was as he responded to failure, but more so from a rankings perspective saying we need to take note that this guy hasn't failed yet right and he hasn't been at a level where he's been asked or challenged to fail and what does that mean you know there you know at, um someone who goes and dominates a a level you know a short season right out of college it's like okay well may let's take a look at why he did that and okay he's a year and a half older than everybody um, he's coming off of playing 50 games when some of the other people he's playing against are playing in their first game outside of an extended spring training. You know, it, it's like, OK, what happens when he fails? And maybe we learn more when it comes to rankings or about prospects when they fail or if they get to triple A and never do. And then it's like, oh, well, this guy's a top five kind of guy. Um, you know, and I, I thought it was interesting looking at your rankings and they're available at Camelwax.com, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. And so, like, you're 20, if I'm permitted to read it, right? Oh, yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, 20, Levi Prater, you know, classic kind of Cardinal college pitcher out of Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. Um, 19, Trey Fletcher, center fielder, athletic guy, very, that's a nice contrast there. You have a guy who, big program versus a center fielder who (laughs) comes from the Northeast, very little exposure to baseball, still kind of learning it. Edwin Nunez, a uh, pitcher, international signing. Delvin Perez, former first-round pick. Um, interesting to see him ranked 17th. Um, yeah. what you are, does that mean you're a believer or is that a sign of how thin his um, nation is
1: again? It's it more of it is it's the combination of proximity okay. and then, and then like things that we know, right? Like he, he's an, an exceptional defender and that is highly unlikely to change. He is an
0: exceptional right? defender,
1: you know, guys that can play defense and can run, Typically, don't lose those abilities. Now, he's got yeah. a hit to be an everyday player, yeah. um, but I think he has value even if he's not an everyday player. Um, so oh, what, you, what you have here is the ceiling of an everyday shortstop who can swipe you know, 30, 40 bags, who can play great defense, who's got a strong arm. You've got that, but then you've also got the floor, which is he's probably going to help you. You know, e- Even if he's not an everyday player, he's a guy that can be that, that super utility dude that can move around. He's got, again, got tremendous speed. Play can play I mean if you can play a, a strong shortstop, you yeah. can play third and second. And you could probably with his speed stick him in center field as a utility guy. So probably good, like a
0: jerks some pro kind right.
1: of. Right. So when I looked at him now, I see a player that is, you know, again, not a great, not a good hitter. He's a below mm-hmm. average hitter, even at double A this past season. It doesn't look like he's gonna gain power, even though he's gotten stronger, but it's still potential, right? I mean, right. he's he's a big frame guy. He's six three, so you know who knows whether or not he can become a ten or twelve homer guy by the time he's twenty six years old, for example, because he is what twenty three now, I think. Right, right. Um. So it's it's a little bit of that. I mean, you know, and and to be honest, some of the guys that I left off, it's just it it's more they're they're more in that either they don't have the higher end or I haven't seen enough of them.
0: Number 16 is Luke and Baker, power guy, first baseman, but may not be in the organization when baseball resumes.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, he's eligible for the Rule 5. Right, um, right. So a team will likely – I got to imagine a team takes him. Uh, Perez I, is also eligible, but yeah, I got to imagine that somebody goes, well, Baker, maybe – I mean, a, a bottom-tier team has nothing to lose. Right, and they I mean, it's a get, guy
1: that's six four, two eighty, and can hit for power. I mean, how many of those guys are ever available in the Rule Five Draft?
0: And if the DH is available, all of yes. a sudden you got a team that's going to lose a hundred games that might like, well, we could put this guy clean up and see what happens. Yeah, or um, you
1: know, we'll play him in matchups as a rookie and then see where we are.
0: Absolutely, that doesn't that look like an American League East kind of move? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just to be honest, like, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, he's going mean, to be look, Luke Voigt with the Yankees, isn't he?
1: Any, it could be, but any team, I, I would be shocked if it got to that. I would think somebody that's bad would be like, "What the heck? Why not?"
0: Right? No, that's 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 a fair. You know, point. if you're yeah, Texas, if you're you know Minnesota, Detroit, uh, Minnesota,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, gonna you're end up in Minnesota seem like an easy guy to st- stash on your bench. You know, yeah, or yeah, yeah. just see what he does in spring training because you don't have to keep him.
0: Right, and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. power power plays, and there'll be room for it. It'd be really yep. interesting because the Cardinals, you know, obviously have made their choice with Yepes in that regard. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can always compare and contrast them. Uh, 15 on Rondone, starter, um, a couple years removed from being the pitcher of the year in the organization. Yep, shouldn't yep. be overlooked. Strike thrower. Um, number 14, Andre Palante pitcher who in an Arizona fall league where offense went bonkers. Yeah. He was remarkable as yes. a pitcher. Um, you know, the, there were a lot of big numbers put out there in Arizona, which made his pitching to me stand oh, yeah. out all that more. Yeah, um, he I've, has the look of a guy who is a 2022 arrival.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I, 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 after finishing it, I, I even thought about. him like, I could have had him in the top ten. I mean, yeah. based on yeah. my criteria of he's not that far off, right? I mean, he spent most of the year at Double A, so
0: yeah, he, he might be I, as close as anybody you have ranked here.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and you know the the only thing is that you know this past season was really his first full professional season, right? Um, and that's, that's it's not that it's not that, uh, it's a, it's not a matter of doubting it. Um, I, I probably was a little bit more conservative than I, than I needed to be when it comes to that, but I, I'm still like, I, I still have some concerns about command. Sure. You know, I, know, I know that, you know, his numbers in the Arizona fall league were good, but if I'm not mistaken, he walked 15 guys in 17 innings. Yep. So I'm a little, that, that, that's probably the thing that, that had me keep him outside of the top 10 was just, you got to throw more strikes. That's fair to to be, you know, because you do that against minor leaguers. They're going to miss because he throws 95 to 100. But, you know, in the big leagues, as we saw last year, if you don't throw strikes, it doesn't matter how hard you're throwing. Uh,
0: 13 is hence Tink Hence, a right handed pitcher out of Arkansas. 12 is Baez, um, young outfielder drafted out of Massachusetts, who could be number one next year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. all the look of a guy that uh, when you want to talk about high ceiling yep um he's in that conversation as far as highest ceiling number 11 is um win mason win yep. the two way player who spent this entire season with the exception of some side cameos yeah. um but he played shortstop this year they're going to they're going to obviously give that a run for a while um what's fascinating is his, he threw harder from shortstop than more often <laughs> He threw harder from shortstop more often than any player in baseball. Yes. Is that correct? The big, yes. Including, including the big leagues. The big leagues. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's, that's 93 and above when you talk about. Yeah. And I would say too, stops. I mean, right? know,
1: there, yeah. And some of that is obviously he's got amazing arm strength. I mean, I think if he just, arm strength, if he just pitched, he would probably be one of those guys pushing a hundred. Right, I mean. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, if you just took everything else out, I mean, he's a guy that was in high school throwing mid nineties, even though he was also playing shortstop all the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's got a Jordan Hicks yeah. kind of look to him, yeah. um, and he's playing shortstop. The question is, will he hit? Um, but
1: I think some of that's enthusiasm to throw across. Like a lot of major leaguers are just not letting it rip; <laughs> they don't have to. But minor leaguers, some guys like he's got a cannon. He probably, probably, he's probably showing off a little bit. Sure,
0: let him. Uh, Yeah, no, no, I I
1: agree. I'm just saying that you know there's there are guys in the big leagues that have that arm strength, but they don't use it unless they need it.
0: You get to the top ten, and here I think is where recent performance sort of really resonated with you. Yes, yes. You got Brennan in a couple of cases, yeah. Well, Donovan and Burleson are ten and eight, yep, respectively. Yep. Those are newcomers to any top 10 list. Yes, sir. And that is entirely based on their performance at levels beyond expectation. Yes. And I don't mean like level of numbers. I mean like level of affiliate.
1: Right, right. They both played at three levels this year, right? Correct. I mean, they're, yep. they're both guys that coming into the year, there was a little uncertainty. Uh, not, I don't know about like... We, we, you kind of knew what they were. I mean, Burleson was a relatively high draft pick. It's not like he's a nobody. I mean, he was the seventh player. Well, one of their five in the, draft. in
0: the shortened. Right, guy.
1: right. Yeah. So, you know, when, when it comes to them, the reason that they're as high as they are, again, it's it's about the the proximity. Where are we today? Because especially Donovan, these are guys that could help you this year. Yeah. I mean, if you look at what they, and, and there's one thing specific that both of them have that I really like. They have the hit tool. They mm. are not big strikeout guys. They are not guys out there striking out 30% of the time. And yet they're showing some extra base power. Now Burleson, way more than than Donovan. I don't think Donovan's a power hitter per se, but when you're talking about guys who have, you know, in Donovan's case, a high a high on base percentage and a low strikeout rate, and put up numbers at A, AA, triple A, and in the Arizona Fall League, and plays four positions, and you could probably stick him in left or right field too, that's a pretty valuable player. Right. And I know, yeah. he, you know, again, it's weird because he may end up not being an everyday player. Um, but again, this, you know, with my criteria, part of it is where are you now? You're. It, it's 2022. I have a lot better grasp on what's going to happen in 2022 than what's going to happen in 2027. <laughs> so, right. you know, when I'm looking at that particular player, OK, left handed bat doesn't strike out a lot, gets on base, has some pop uh plays any position I need him to play. Yeah. I kind of like that guy. Do you think the Newt Bar of 2022 is Burleson? I think that's a great comp. Um I think but I think Burleson's higher ceiling. Wow. And and well, but again, not I don't know, maybe that's maybe that's a maybe maybe the, the bigger the better way to put that is I don't think uh I don't think that Newt Bar's profile was as high at the same stage of their careers. Um, very true. That's right. Very Burleson well, was a higher draft pick. Yeah, um, you know he, he reached AAA in his first professional season.
0: So Berlin ha- Burleson had a season in twenty twenty one. Newt did not in twenty twenty. So right, that, right, I mean, right. So it's an
1: interesting thing. But I, I yeah. think there's a fair comp there. But again, I what I like about Burleson is was even in college was known more as a hitter than a slugger. Yeah. But, yeah. but he's a strong guy who could very easily continue to add to that slug. I mean, we saw it this year. You know, yeah. he, he he was not um he wasn't a, a 40 homer type guy, but I mean, you know, 18 doubles and 22 homers in 119 games is no joke. I mean, if, yeah. you, if you put that out over 140, 150 games, that's a 30 homer season Yeah, and, and, and the strikeout rate's not bad and consider that right. Your first professional season, you're all the way up at AAA, and your strikeout rate is reasonable. You know I mean? It, 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 I think I got to look at what I wrote about it, but I want to say he was in the 20% range. Which no, is, you're right. Which yeah, is yeah. pretty solid. It's
0: pretty strong. And actually, yeah. it
1: was lower than that. So it was lower than that at AAA. Small right,
0: sample you're talking time. about his career year. But yeah, his yeah. but his
1: season was 20%, I think yep. it was 16% at AAA and 3 years younger than the level. Right. So so I mean I so I, I I think that, you know, hit tool plays. Yeah. That's that's one thing that a lot of teams, I mean, if you'll get like Tampa Bay and the trend they're going with the offensive players they draft, They're they're starting a lot of uh, other teams are too, but they're drafting more guys that are hit before power because you can teach power. You can get in the weight room. You can get stronger. Uh, But boy, teaching the ability to barrel the baseball is a harder thing to do.
0: Around those two, you had ranked ninth, Zach Thompson, who Mm -hmm. had a reassuring turn. I almost bumped him
1: out of the top 10.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you didn't. Um, No, no,
1: you're right. Cause his, his talent is, is there. I mean, he's got, you know, he's a first round pick for a reason. He just got to throw more strikes.
0: Well, he and McGreevy are very similar in the college kind of, yeah. you know, just straight out of the Cardinals playbook, right? I yep. mean, the central casting. It's, it's unusual to for me pitchers, to, put a, good to put a guy like
1: that in the top 10, but I think McGreevy's an unusual guy, Derek. I mean, you know, a, a guy that was a strike thrower first and then mm-hmm. added velocity as he got older. That I mean, could yeah. that could there be a more perfect Cardinal? <laughs> no, I mean, he's he's Waka 2.0. <laughs> except the, except the, without the, the weird mechanics. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't have that overhand up and down catapult type delivery.
0: He does not. You're correct. And that's a yeah. harder
1: that's a, you know, Waka's delivery is difficult also, both yeah, on the body like when it comes to injury and when and it comes on to repeatability.
0: Hitters. But on
1: also, also oh, that true Yeah. You're right. No, you're right. It I definitely mean, makes it more difficult, but it also yeah. limits him cuz he can't throw
0: a breaking ball. Correct. McGreevy that I was just going to that was what I was going to say is McGreevy has the curve yep. to build around as opposed to a change up to decide. I mean, he has a change so. up
1: too, but I, I mean like Walker no, no, can only
0: throw fastball change up, but he's not, but McGreevy has a good change up, but it's not, it's not one that he has to rely on yes, as that's his correct. sole deception. Correct. Um, it, it can be, if it's not there, it can be a show pitch. Right. Um, There, there uh, it's, he doesn't have the same curveball. But it, watching him and Adam Wainwright throw bullpens at spring training, if we're able to do that side-by-side side, is going to mm-hmm. be interesting. I think mm-hmm. that'll be a real kind of – I think if he gets that opportunity to spend time and talk with Adam Wainwright about how he used and how he expanded and how he yeah. thinks about his repertoire, that that will benefit McGreevy down the road because it you could see how they'd have similar kind of yeah. um, not – I'm not saying stuff, but similar types of pitches. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, Number six is probably the most surprising, and that's Nunez. Yeah, uh, I was gonna Nunez. ask you about that because I'm curious what you think about it. Um, I think it's I think it's really interesting. I'm encouraged because you know, one of the things that rankings fight is prospect fatigue. Yes, a name that has been around a long time. As he mm-hmm. gets closer to the majors, suddenly all of a sudden drifts from the top rankings. Mm-hmm. Edmondo Sosa. As an example of that, yeah. um, you know, I had a conversation with somebody saying, why does he keep getting further down the rankings the closer <laughs> he gets to the majors? That doesn't make any sense to me, yeah. except for he's building up the, the failures. And, um, you know, I, I think Nunez is probably now on that line where they're like, goodness, why isn't he in the – well, he's been a prospect for so long. Well, because he started at like age – He was you know, 16 what, or 16, something like that, yeah. Right, and then he goes out and wins a triple crown. I mean, he's only played um,
1: three years in affiliated baseball.
0: right. Um, you know, he you played
1: know, in 2018. He was in the Dominican Summer League. 2019, where you know, was rookie ball and and low A ball. Didn't play right. in 2020, and you know, now he's you know already reached Double A as a 20 year old.
0: Very, I I think it's an aggressive ranking. Um, yeah, I agree with that. But you know, it's an interesting one to just keep him in the conversation. You know who I see in him? Oh, I don't
1: know. Yepes. Look at those. Oh. Look at his track record. Look at where he was. Oh, very similar. At similar yeah, 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 yeah. ages similar. with the, with the offensive track record. Yeah. And what then look Dave what happened when he yeah. got to age 23, yep. and grew yep. into himself and had some time. You know, built up a number of at bats. I, I, and I, I, that's what I see. I mean, I, I, I watched some video on these guys, Derek. You know, it's some of it's about numbers. Some of it's about what I see. I mean, I, but I, I really like the way he looks. He, I, the old school guys would say he's hitterish. Right, I mean, I I think he's he's a—he's to me—he's calm in the box. He's simple. Yes, he's obviously very strong, and he doesn't strike out at a ridiculous rate. Um, he only struck out 71 times this year in I think it was like 370 something plate appearances. So it's it's not a it's not a big swing and miss, and that's for a guy that is 20, right? right? And now he'll turn 21 before the season. Right, he was 20 in March. So that's a twenty-year-old though who played in A-ball and had really solid numbers in A-ball, and then they were a little less at Double-A, a good bit less at Double-A, especially the slug. But again, he was twenty. Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. when you look at a guy like Yepes, Yepe- Yepe- it's Yepes, right? You say it with the emphasis on the second yep. syllable, right? Yep. When you look at Yepes at twenty, he was that. That was him. I think at yeah. twenty, he might have hit eight column. home runs or something like that. It's a great
0: comparison. They're, they're different hitters, but yes, you're right. Yes, yes, very much different. Different yeah, bodies, they, too. Yeah, different bodies. You know, Nunez kind of projects more power. Yes, I agree. Uh, you know, especially with the weight. Yeah, just the size, strength, and swing. Um, he might not be, whereas Pez, you kind of think, okay, well, this is a guy who's going to hit. Both of them can hit fastballs, um, but this guy might hit for a slightly higher average it won't surprise me
1: if if and i'm assuming nunez probably goes back to double a to start yes there's a crowd at triple a and he you know he he has some things to prove wouldn't shock me if he went out and hit 25 home runs this year
0: no no would not 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 in the texas league would not surprise me at all if he's the next kind of power guy to take advantage of springfield no that's a great point would you like to read your top five you mentioned Yepes, but would you like to read your top five
1: well he's number five uh, Yepes. And and I'll you know this will get posted a little bit later on. Uh, well, I'm sure by the time people are listening to this Friday afternoon, it's probably already up at kmox.com. Uh, but I have Yepes at number five. And and look, y- we all know what that's about, Derek. I mean, that's that's performance at the highest level, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, at the highest level, he reached. You know, he. I mean, when you're at AAA and you're putting up the kind of numbers that he did, I can't ignore that. And especially considering he's not 26, he's not 27. You know, he's not a guy later in his career. I mean, he's had a legitimate age for a triple-A player. He's 23 years old, um, and I forget when he turns 24, but I think it's before the season starts. So his entire year was at age 23, and when you look at everything, didn't strike out a lot, drew a good number of walks, on-base percentage was almost 100 points better than the batting average, 27 dingers, 29 doubles, and then was one of the two best hitters in the Arizona Fall League. Now, the stats in the Arizona Fall League, as you well know, are, uh, well, they're they're, They're different. I mean, everything in Arizona is going to be really big in terms of the numbers. What I care about, though, is that he's the second best hitter in the league in a in a league full of prospects. I mean, this dude can hit,
0: man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Then the question
1: is, does he have a chance to to maybe you know if the DH exists, does he have a chance to win that job or you know take care take 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 control of that in spring training?
0: I think one side of it, you know. Yeah, but I I mean, mean, why not
1: both? I mean, it's not like he had a platoon split in the minors. No, it's not. But you got Newt Bar
0: there that you have. Well, to- yeah,
1: yeah. I think yeah, you find a way to get them all in there because I agree. I like Newt Bar. I think he's going to be a good player.
0: Yeah, I think he's got uh, he, he's Piscotti ish. Yeah, yeah. With with power, if he stays healthy, yeah. yeah um, good, left good side. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then so you your pass on. was five.
1: Uh, I yep. got Herrera at four.
0: Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, again, I don't think
1: there needs to be a ton of explanation there. He's not there. number one. I mean, huh? Yeah.
0: Nah, you, you know, know my catch. I'm not
1: that crazy on the catching thing, but I am pretty crazy. Uh, I, I mean, I, first of all, when you got, I know he didn't have a great batting average last year, but again, it's the same thing here. He was 20 so years, nice. he was 20 years old, turned 21 in the middle of the season, and was playing at double A, yeah. and finished at triple. I mean, you're talking about a guy that um, is is I think is going to hit Derek. I, I don't know if he's going to win a batting title or whatever, but I mean, I think this is a well above average offensive player for this position somebody that could hit 15, 20 home runs, maybe more than that, as he as he gets a little bit older and stronger. And it sounds like the defense is getting there. Um, you know, the question will be, you know, does he does he do the things that the Cardinals want a starting catcher to do? But it seems to me, and, and uh, this is partly based on conversations and partly based on observing the actions that they're taking, it seems to me that they're lining him up to be the guy that takes over after Molina.
0: To me, they're lining up a timeshare to take over for Molina, that they're going to do what these other teams have done. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. You're right where it's going to be successful. the modern.
1: Yeah. The modern way of using catchers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and the, you know, the but I see him as is, the guy that gets the majority of it. We'll see over time. I mean, he's got, that's the real question is, is his defense going to be good enough for him yep. to get the playing time for his offense to improve? Yes. I think that's the big question. And I
1: think, you know, that. clearly the it's at least it, based on what we've seen up until this year, the word has always been the bats ahead of the defense. And it sounded to me like this year the gap closed a little bit.
0: Yeah, we saw that with Carson Kelly, too. Yes. Same kind of thing. Yeah, good point. Um, The top three are the universal top three. Yeah, they're everybody's top three. I got
1: Libertor third. I mean, you know, it it doesn't mean I I think that he's lower upside than the two hitters. So I got Gorman one and Walker two. And the Mm. only difference between them to me, I, I could easily flip them if I wanted to. But the difference to me is that, you know, Gorman is is further along. He's shown me that he can hit double and triple A pitching, and I think Walker will. Uh, and in a year, maybe Walker's won and Norman and Gorman's graduated, and you will have to worry about it. What um, positions are they for you? Well, that's a good question. I, I I think clearly, you know, assuming that Aronado doesn't go anywhere, Gorman is second base and maybe some DH, and I think Walker down the road is an outfielder. Now yeah, that think- depends. That depends on again. Depends on Aronado. Depends on. How fast he develops because right now he's on a really fast track. <laughs> if that slows at all, he could end up being the first baseman after Paul Goldschmidt ends up leaving the team. Um, be really interesting also...
0: if if Jordan Walker could be Chris Bryant.
1: Yeah, that, that great point. And that's a per, you know that's that's one of the best comps that I've heard brought up with him. I mean, they're very body size, athleticism, uh, third mm-hmm. base roots, but the ability to play in the outfield and to play at first. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I think I think that's a great comp. I, I hopefully the bat will be that you know like what right. Brian was. What he I'm was not trying describe, to but say that. No, that's but, a great yeah. that's a great comparison. Is a guy that plays the corner outfields, plays the corner infields, and you know you're fine with him. And he's, he's athletic and smooth. He doesn't move like a six five, two hundred twenty pound guy, even though he's a it's teenager. Not, no, yeah. he's very very smooth in what he does. I can I, and anybody that wants to argue that he should be one, I'm fine. I'm like I won't I won't fight you on it. But to me, the tiebreaker between him and Gorman is that Gorman's done it at a higher level, and that's really right. it. I mean, if you look at the two of them, to me, they're both 30 plus homer guys in the big leagues.
0: Which is, rem- I was just going to ask you that. Do you think the Cardinals are, when it's all said and done at some point in time in this coming year, going to have two of the best power prospects in yes. the minors? They already that- do.
1: When the top one hundred start coming out, Derek, these guys are both
0: top 20, 30 prospects. Oh, sure they are. But I'm talking about like top power. Yeah. Like top power. Well, they're if there for make their a power, list right? Of the top 10. What's that? Those
1: guys are there for their power. That's why sure. they're going to be up there, yeah.
0: It's just such a different I know it's weird change
1: it? than <laughs> It's super weird cuz like even even with Oscar and Tavares, they're both infielders. Yeah. And even with Oscar Tavares, he wasn't a power guy. He was a he was a hitter
0: who hit home runs. Oh my gosh, was These he, guys he are was...
1: power guys.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the late Oscar Tavares was a lot of th- a lot of things as a hitter. I mean, yes. he was he was a complete package. As it
1: Creed. I mean, again, he was he was he was going to hit power, but these guys power is first.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's fair. With
1: him, I think hit tool was first, and
0: power was right after it. That's an interesting. point. That's cool. Uh, this has been interesting because of the contrast. So you have your list of prospects. I had my list of Hall of Famers. Uh, one <laughs> of them is a list based on all the things you think they can do. Yeah. Um, the other list has become a conversation about all the things they didn't do. Um, which is such a fascinating twist on the Hall of Fame thing as we start to look at the void as opposed to the performance Um, or we look at the sportsmanship or we try to equate, you know, how to factor in PEDs. And so it becomes a conversation of all the things they didn't do right, um, whereas prospects lists still allow you to kind of dream on what a player can yet do, Um, which is more fun for you. Uh, well, prospect list or it's you're, way you're more fun to balance. do
1: prospects list because, um, <laughs> yeah. well, number one, nobody gets angry about it. Well, not very often. Um, and two, it, it it's it's everybody's guessing, <laughs> right? We, we, none of us know exactly how this is going to go, where where I think, you're, you know, when you're looking at something that's already done, a career that's already done. I think the expectation is of everybody involved to to know exactly what they're talking about and have it nailed down, right? Cuz you're you're talking about something that's happened already as opposed to something that's going to happen at some point in the future. Right. So the expectation really- for how accurate you need to be consistent or whatever, you know, whatever argument people want to get into, whatever angle people want to get into, one the expectation is you can't screw this up. The other expectation is like is like forecasting the weather. You're probably going to screw it up.
0: It's a good one. Yeah. When it comes to prospects, you're introducing people to players they should know. When it comes to the Hall of Fame ballot, <laughs> a, you're yeah. voting on players they already have a preconceived opinion about. Correct. Yes. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation. You can find Kevin's ranking at camelx.com. He did 20 to 1. One of the things is there are clips in there, videos of each guy's, um, some tweets from uh, like one of my, I saw in there one of their, Tweets from one of my good friends, Jesse Sanchez. Yeah. And from yeah. other folks who write a lot about the prospects.
1: I'll tip the cap. Uh, Sam Masterson does a great job with that of taking the oh, list. Thanks. And then he, yeah. and he finds those, you know, it's all, you know, social media stuff. Sometimes it's a highlight of a home run. Uh, mostly it's highlights like that. And then you write tweets from, you know, prospects, people or Cardinals player development cool. account or whatever
0: yeah yeah i think it was only a matter of time when i got into this podcast thing as we start the 10th year of the best podcast in baseball that you then shifted over into the writing gig and we <laughs> talked about your writing on this podcast That's weird. yeah it's weird I I've, it.
1: I've been writing for a long time but i, I mean, like I'm not just, for real you know like it's not real it's real writing it's not i mean it's not the job it's always a side thing and you know i i did mention this in the piece but and i know we've talked about it before but you know, for a long time I actually did write minor league baseball. I did no, I prospects. Did. I did that for time, no no not not for you, for listeners. Um because I no you one's know.
0: listening. This is almost an hour and a half long. <laughs> the only yeah. people
1: listening at this point is us. That's a good point. You're right. Hopefully they'll divide it up and finish it later.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll just edit it all. Just together. like a big meal. So you can listen to Camel or to Kevin Wheeler on Camel X 1120 a.m. You can read him there at Camel dot com. This prospect list is good, especially as he kind of sorts through that six through ten. I think that's the one where you're doing the introduction and also the arguing and also some aggressive ranking there with some yeah, guys who for sure. Maybe that's that's where there's the best blend of production and promise, which right. I find very interesting. Um, you can find all the Cardinals coverage at stltoday.com and in the pages of the post dispatch, including my explanation on the Hall of Fame ballot, plus much more. I did a year, a year opener on where the NL Central looks at this point in time. And is the uh, is the news of the Cubs hibernation greatly exaggerated? I believe it is. So maybe we shouldn't overlook them. But, uh, you know, the race is going to be quite is, is going to be kind of similar, even though with new faces in this NL Central, whenever the game goes um, we still have a lockout ongoing. There's nothing new really to update there, but I hope at when we talk next there will be Kevin.
1: I'm looking forward to that. God Almighty, guys! Just I, I really this this is a case where I wish we could round them up, lock them in a hotel, and say seriously, you cannot leave the grounds until you finish this. Just finish it. It's not that hard, you know. You you're grown people. You can compromise. You can go through this. Just get in the same room and don't leave. In fact, I'd say, Derek, if we want to be really extreme, you can't even leave for bathroom breaks. You got to stay oh there boy. until you figure it out.
0: I, uh, I am definitely i I do think it's that hard. Actually, I yeah. do think. I think there. Are I think two they've reasons. known what
1: these issues are for years and years, and the they fact have. that they've put it off until now is something you could sort through pretty quickly. They, it's not like any of these things are surprising.
0: No, none of these things are surprising. They should have answers to them all. Which to me says that both sides want to win. And that both sides are also hyper aware of unintended consequences, and when you go into a negotiation fearful of what that negotiation might lead to four, five, six years down the road, and you're starting to play the long game with the short conversation, that's hard.
1: Yeah. Well, the that unintended consequence really they hard. better start paying attention to is is the their their sports place in the sports world. Yep. Because the the further you're not a conversation right now. Nobody's talking about baseball. You're going months without being uh, at all Everybody's in talking the about conversation. The Hall
0: of Fame ballot. Yeah,
1: but I mean, barely. And I'm talking and about Rosenthal. The, but I'm talking about the people that you that that you need. I'm Fair. talking about the casual fans. Fair. They're not listening to any of this. No, they're talking. To and NBA, those sure. are the people that are the difference between success and failure of the business. Because all yep. of us that are diehards, we're
0: not going anywhere. Yeah, we're, There's we're not a going good anywhere. Good argument to be had, though that. The, the casual fan wasn't listening to baseball in January anyway.
1: Not not this, but you might be paying attention if your team was making a trade or if your Maybe. team was signing a player or there was rumors for weeks that your team might be signing a player, and that's what people are talking about on talk radio. Um, and, of course, if they're going to continue to be this way, great idea to disrupt your business in spring training and or in the regular season when you've already done that for two years in a row because of things you can't control.
0: Correct. So yeah, why, why pile
1: on top of that? I mean, this again, it's nonsense. The unintended consequence of taking this too far could mean f- those five years are spent entirely recovering rather than growing. Great point. That's a good way to lead it. End it. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah.
0: Thanks so much for, uh, for joining me.
1: Yeah, anytime, man. It's always a good time. Happy
0: new year to you and your family and everybody out there listening to the best podcast in baseball. We'll continue it through this year. Um, We'll have coverage from spring training whenever that starts. We'll have coverage from the regular season whenever that starts. And we'll have more conversations with Kevin Wheeler through the year here at The Best Podcast in Baseball. Stay tuned, stay informed, stay healthy. Thanks again, Kev. Always
1: glad to do it, buddy. Good times.